Hi, Blue Wire listeners. I'm Greg Olson. I'm excited to partner with Blue Wire to bring you TE1, a podcast where I interview the tight ends who have revolutionized the position. Listen in as I have raw, in-depth conversations with the all-time greats like Shannon Sharp, Tony Gonzalez, Travis Kelsey, and George Kittle. We'll explore how the tight end position has changed over the last 60 years and what it takes to be the very best. Subscribe to TE1 from Blue Wire Studios today so you're ready for the August premiere. Warriors, Warriors, come out to play. Show me you want to be here. Show me you want to win. Show me you want to, you have that killer instinct. I do look at myself as being one of the most dominant fighters in MMA history. He didn't know it was going to be a buffet, though. He thought it was going to be a three-piece. Now you're getting the whole MGM Grand Buffet to the face, man. everybody welcome to another episode of the rj ringside podcast it's your host here heidi fang and i'm joined with sam gordon and adam hill our guys covering combat sports here for the review journal and we're gonna get you started here talking about everything happening around the boxing world and mma world but first we are brought to you by favor doordash bet online and sunday ticket make sure that you check out all of the great work that these guys are putting out in print as well and follow us on twitter at by sam gordon at adam hill lbrj and i'm at heidi Fang. So I think we have to start off the day with some boxing news, Sam, because there's a lot of Canelo drama going on. There's a lawsuit that he's put forward against his own. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, Heidi. Um, you know, as we know, um, fight fans, you know, all of us are, well, when's Canelo going to fight? Well, when's he fighting next? When's he fighting next? We haven't seen him since last November when he fought and beat Sergey Kovalev up here at MGM Grand. And um, it's just kind of been a wait-and-see type thing. And Canelo, understandably so, is getting frustrating or frustrated about that. And, and just kind of the basics, you know, in layman's terms, um, DAZN only wants, you know, is only willing to approve certain opponents. And all the opponents Canelo, you know, that Canelo has put forth or the, the fights that they want um, to happen, DAZN is shooting them down. They, they pretty much had this thing set on a, a Triple G Trilogy, and that's what they that's what they had their their heart and mindset on. DAZN and Canelo didn't really know about that, and he is more or less alleging that Golden Boy and DAZN are, are messing up his career, and he is seeking um, two hundred eighty million, at least two hundred eighty million in damages, according to the lawsuit, which was filed in the U.S. District Court for the Central District of California. That, according to ESPN, and um, this is just kind of where we're at. He's the face of boxing. Um, his career has been on hold. He, he signed a 10 or 11 fight deal for $365 million at the time, the largest contract awarded to a single fighter in boxing, you know, kind of boxing history. It's just, it, it, making him the, the face of the sport, more or less, right? And for the last year, he hasn't been able to be, be that, and he is alleging that it's because DAZN, the way DAZN and Golden Boy are handling him. Now, Golden Boy put out a statement, more or less, saying that, look, this is beef is with DAZN, it's not with us. But there has been a beef brooding with Canelo and um, and Golden Boy and Oscar De La Hoya De La Hoya dating back to last summer when they mismanaged um, a mandatory fight that he was supposed to have. He ended up getting stripped of one of his titles. The fight didn't get the fight didn't happen. He got stripped of a title, and, and Canelo hasn't been happy with with uh, Oscar since. So this the saga continues, and and for me. Um, I look at it as this guy, you know, was 29 years old. He was supposed to, or he's 30 now, but he was 29 up until July when his birthday was and was supposed to fight Billy Joe Saunders. Um, then the pandemic hit, shut everything down, and we are missing out on a chance to see, you know, generational type talent in his prime. And, and my hope is that this thing gets resolved, whether he gets out of that his own contract, gets away from Golden Boy, whatever needs to happen, happens so we can see the superstar fight, continue to fight and exceed us. Uh, succeed 
at well while he's still at the peak of his power. So definitely an interesting thing to monitor. Um, it doesn't look like he's going to be fighting this year, and we're going to have to see what happens going forward. I mean, how ugly do you think this could get? Extremely ugly. I- extremely ugly. You know DeZone is not going down without a fight, and Golden Boy is not going down without a fight. And they understand, I mean, again, he's the face of boxing. He is locked into a con- uh, contractual agreement with DeZone, and they more or less can just sit back and say, nope, 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 until they find – until Golden Boy and Canelo finds an opponent that they deem suitable. Well, that's so arbitrary, right? He's Canelo Alvarez. We saw what Floyd Mayweather was fighting towards the end of his career when he had that Showtime contract. They weren't exactly marquee opponents, but those fights went on, and they went on because it's Floyd Mayweather, and Floyd Mayweather was going to sell. And Canelo's not quite Floyd, but right now he is the marquee attraction, and as long as the zone remains in his way, uh, this thing can get really, really ugly. So I am hoping um, for the sake of boxing that they can find a way to resolve this because we do not need to see this guy sitting out any longer. Yeah, I mean, you talk about him being the face of DAZN. So, like, if he does fall off and this does go sour for them, what does that mean for DAZN? <laughs> like, who's going to be their guy? Yeah, it's that's tough. I mean, it puts them in a tough spot. They were, I mean, this, you know, kind of a startup streaming service that was based around having him in place. Now they have... Anthony Joshua and Triple G, but those aren't those guys aren't Canelo. They're, I mean, they're just not. They don't have the appeal. They're not his ilk of fighters, as we saw with the with with the Canelo Triple G um, fight here in 2018, and um, especially with, with Triple G. I mean, he's you know he's an aging fighter as well. Now Anthony Joshua is still in his prime, but if if he goes on to fight Tyson Fury as they're planning to, you know, there's going to be some type of combination there where it's ESPN and DAZN are going to combine the work and package the fight so they don't necessarily have you know have him in his entirety I would say they do have Canelo for now we'll see how much longer that goes um it's it felt like we were trending this way for a long time where there was going to be some type of legal action because of just how frustrated Canelo is getting and you know that point is finally here well, we are talking here on a Friday night, and Bellator, who was also formerly with DAZN, they're moving to CBS Sports, Adam. Tonight, their fight card has Phil Davis and Lyoto Machida on it, Katsungano, who is really well known for having that title fight against Ronda Rousey, unfortunately, that finished for her, I think, in about 14 seconds. But <laughs> she was a top caliber fighter in the UFC. So what does this mean right now with Bellator moving on over to CBS Sports? Well, it's a big deal for them. And you know, right now, as you mentioned, CBS Sports, they'll be part of that Viacom family with a ton of different networks and uh, a lot of different ways to not only distribute their content, but also to promote their content uh, throughout the Viacom family. Right now, that, that deal doesn't call for any CBS you know, network shows, uh, but I know that Bellator is pretty confident that at some point, if they perform well enough on CBS Sportsnet and you know some of these other platforms, uh, that a CBS show would be on the horizon. I think that's part of the, of the plan, if things work out well, for them to get back on network television, which is something that they've really been working toward. Uh, obviously, they were you know, with Scott Coker back in the day being you know, one of the first ones to get to network television. So uh, trying to work back to that you know, kind of status, uh, get those network shows. And you know, they're assembling this roster. You mentioned some of the names on the card. And yeah, sometimes it's some guys that are, behind, you know, that are past their prime or uh, you know, maybe not at the, at the peak for whatever reason. You know, they're on their way up or on their way down. Uh, but there's some really legitimate talent, and there's some definite names there that people are interested in. You know, when you can cobble together cards with, you know, guys like, you know, Leota Machida, who's a former champion, or you can throw, you know, a like a Roy Nelson still, you know, <laughs> back and forth kind of thinking about fighting. I mean, there's enough names uh, you can throw in the Ryan Bader's around. And, yeah, uh, Benson Henderson. Yeah, Benson there. Henderson. Like, guys that people know that have been, you know, legitimate top-end talents in the, in the UFC – are still around there. And then, you know, you've got fighters like, um, you know, Michael Chandler, who if he comes back with them, 
uh, can still be, you know, kind of built into potentially uh, one of those type of names. Like, there's just there's people out there that they can build cards around that they can get onto, you know, big platforms. As long as people know that they're coming up, uh, you know, I think it's one of those things. Like, I I, I try to describe it uh, to people that are like, well, what kind of like what is Bellator? Like, what are they trying to uh, do? And I was like, well, it's the kind of show that you might not even know it's coming up. But then, like, you and your friends are sitting around, like, oh, what's going on? Like, I don't know. There's there's fights on. Well, who's fighting? Oh, Leona Machida's fighting? Phil Davis? Oh, I remember those guys. Like, I'll, I'll watch that. Like, I think you can get that kind of a, an audience, and I think that could potentially work on a network, especially with times when they need programming. Yeah, I definitely uh, – <laughs> Sam I, I, looks I, I confused so. by everything that I'm saying. <laughs> I still check in on Bellator. I watched that fight with Ryan Bader just a couple weeks back, and I'm probably going to check out uh, the one tonight with Kat Zingano and Gabrielle Holloway. I will so. always watch Kat Zingano fight. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. She's always – I got all heart when she goes in there in the cage and somebody that we followed her career. Yeah. We've yeah. talked to her quite a and bit. Knowing and her story and, and everything that she's been through, not only personal tragedies in her life, but the um, – the injuries and the the battles that she's had and finally getting to the top of the game and then you know having it all taken away it's just it's insane what she's been through and the life experience that she has but also the you know she's such a high level athlete it's just uh it's somebody that you want to root for and you want to watch so um you know her first bellator fight tonight and uh you, you know this will be uh most of you guys will be listening to after after she fights but um yeah it's uh it, there's a lot of a lot of good things I think happening for them. I think Scott Coker's got them going in the right direction. They're, they're never going to be UFC, obviously, uh, but they're building something for themselves. Well, how much uh, you know? We talked a little bit off air about what Bellator was and kind of its potential. I, I want to ask you guys on air just what, how much potential is there for growth or to to kind of. I don't know, compete, I don't know if compete's the right word, but be on them as mainstream or get to somewhat more of a mainstream level like UFC is. Is there potential for that? Well, and I think th- that's what they're trying to do here. Like, sure. Uh, one of the other announcements they made is that they, uh, MMA has been banned in, in France for a long time, mm. and Bellator is going to be the first into Paris. So, I mean, that's kind of their, uh, one oh, of their things. Big. They're, they're going to do a show there. Um, they're, they're kinda, they kind of do that. They're, they've kind of emerged into some European markets that they're trying to be in. They've had a couple shows in Israel. Uh, they're, they're trying to expand internationally in that way. But the goal, I think, that, they're, that they've always had, and that's kind of what this deal uh, now is trying to work toward, is, is to get on network. Like Scott Coker knows from the past when he got on network television kind of what that did. And, you know, UFC is on ESPN. They're not on network television. And, sure. You know, th- they're – you know, they maybe potentially have the ability to go on ABC, do something like that, and work with ESPN and their partner there. But uh, being on network is different, and it's different. Like, you know, the fight tonight, we mentioned Leota Machida and Phil Davis. There's going to be people tuning into that, and there's going to be people that are like, oh, they're going to go seek that out. But if it's on network and it's being promoted all week, and, you know, you're watching football on a Sunday, and they're like, next Saturday night, you know, Leota Machida, and you show the highlights from you yeah. know, his past, and you're like, oh, that guy's fighting. Okay, cool. It just becomes a totally different animal if you can get on network, and I think that's part of why uh, they're, they've pursued that so heavily, and this is the, kind of their first step toward that. Well, let's go ahead on that note, take a quick break. Sam, you brought up Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder there, so we're going to come back, talk about that fight, as well as the upcoming UFC bouts here at the Apex in Las Vegas. So stay tuned right here on the RJ Ringside Podcast. You've counted on restaurants, now they're counting on you. And while their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with 
DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with the new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. Many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, that's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Sunday, Sunday, Sundays are coming back in the NFL. With NFLSundayTicket.tv, you can stream every live out-of-market NFL game every Sunday afternoon on your favorite devices, plus Red Zone and DirecTV Fantasy Zone channels. Never miss your favorite teams and favorite players. No matter where you live, NFLSundayTicket.tv is your key to the most glorious Sundays ever. Use the promo code BLUEWIRE at checkout to get 15% off your subscription. Visit NFLSundayTicket.tv and use promo code BLUEWIRE. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. Major League Baseball is back in action, and there's no better place to start wagering than our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Check out all the odds, futures, and props to bet on, all available 24-7. And with the return of sports, Bet Online sat down with former players Eddie George, Harold Reynolds, and seven-time NBA champ Robert Ory. See what they had to say on what it'll be like playing without fans in a series they're calling Fandemic. Visit betonline.ag for all your odds and up-to-date sports news. Remember to use promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. Sam, we're going to come back to you now. It's time to talk boxing. Deontay Wilder, Tyson Fury happening at the Allegiant Stadium here in Las Vegas and possibly also including fans. What can you tell us about this? And do you think there is a real possibility we're going to see people here in the stadium? Yeah, Heidi, well, it's a, it's a great question, right? It's kind of the question we've been asking ourselves all summer, really, is is this viable with fans? And, um, you know, we did something on ReviewJournal.com earlier this summer where, you know, Bob Arum threw out that same date, December 19th, and, you know, he told me that that was his plan. And then the Raiders come forth with their plan of, Look, no fans. So if you – my thing is, right, like would love to have the fight here. I think Allegiant Stadium would be an awesome venue. Um, we saw an NFL game yesterday in which the fans were spaced and it looked like it seemed semi-feasible with proper protocols and all that in place. But if there are no fans at Raider games, why would the Raiders let there be fans there for another event? That's pretty much conceding, hey – we can do fans for games. There, There is a way to go safely about it. And until – unless – those things happen and unless there's a change of course from the Raiders perspective of letting fans in I just don't see how a deal can come to place where you're allowing fans to come to the stadium for boxing but you're not going to allow them in for the sole purpose well the main purpose for why it was built which is to watch the Las Vegas Las Vegas Raiders play football so um yeah I mean again as much as I would love to have you know to see that happen and have that fight happen here in Las Vegas get that trilogy out of the way so we can move forward and, and see what's next in these guys careers 
there's still a couple boxes that need to be checked, and the first is making sure fans can come into uh, Legion Stadium, which the Raiders are not allowing. Yeah, and it, ten to fifteen thousand would be the goal of what they're looking for. Which I, I don't know the kind of paydays that we're seeing in boxing. Like I just don't know how you justify that, and then if those guys would want to do it or wait, you know, another six months and maybe try to get it filled up. Like that's the, that's I think that's one of the bigger uh, questions. And in terms for of sure. just just Allegiant in general. I think the issue that they'd run into is the Raiders kind of have a lot of control over that. Now, I think they want to have things like boxing and, you know, massive MMA and soccer and all those. They want to do all those things at Allegiant, but that's still during the season. Right. And so they would almost have to concede that fans are possible. Yeah. And then allow fans to come in. And then the next weekend, I, I you know, we're just talking about this right now. I haven't looked at the Raiders' schedule. I could uh, look it up, but like maybe like the next weekend. Say, oh yeah, but Raiders, our Raiders game is going to be with no fans. Yeah, it, like which which would be a, a huge concession on their part, and um, and one that I think could be, uh, we don't have to go down this whole rabbit hole, but it could end up being complicated with uh, the NFL Players Association to say, wait a minute, you're letting a boxing match go on, but you're turning down revenue of fans to come to the football games, which then we share in that revenue. Like, what is going on? So I think it could be complicated by more than just. Hey, we'll just make this one special exception of letting fans. <laughs> yeah, because you have Raiders um, will be home against the Chargers, and that would be on December 17th. And then also the Raiders uh, facing the Dolphins, and possibly that date's still TBD, but are it after Christmas. So the 17th, Christmas. a Thursday game? I believe so. So a Thursday yeah. night football game with no fans, and then Saturday you're going to say, all right, 15,000 come in and watch this boxing match. Doesn't make any sense right now. Now, right. is there a possibility that the Raiders reverse course and, and fuel things out and say, okay, maybe we can allow – some fans in the stadium, I, I still don't know about that. Which fans do you choose? Yeah, because the whole thing, like the Raiders' whole thing has been, hey, we could lobby and petition and get fans in, but we don't want to have 15,000 of the 65,000 that paid for tickets, and we don't want to discriminate against some of them and not all of them. 100%. Which is understandable. And you could still kind of come out and say that and say, hey, listen, boxing is separate, and they're, you know, they're selling tickets to the first, you know, first, first come, first serve, and they're selling their tickets. And we don't want to do that because we don't want to discriminate against those that, you know, can't get in, that bought tickets. You could make that justification. I just think it becomes very complicated to do it and to and to tell people, like, yes, you can't be here. Thursday night football, Chargers, Raiders is such a massive thing in this part of the country. Yep. And, like, no fans, but then Saturday you're going to have fans for boxing. It just It just doesn't make sense. It's crazy. So we'll have to keep you guys updated with that and what we find out about how – the fans come into play, how the event comes into play, but you'll find it all here on the RJ Ringside podcast. And Adam, up next here at the UFC Apex, speaking of Las Vegas fights, we have Michelle Watterson and Angela Hill. Angela Hill making headlines as the first black woman to headline a UFC event. And uh, Michelle Watterson saying that she is going to mess her up something terrible. Now, this is an interesting fight. I've always found Michelle Watterson's career as a straw weight to be difficult for her because she's had an upward upward battle to face when you look at size of opponents because she previously fought at atom weight which is 105 people are saying, pounds well, if the ufc had atom weight then she'd be competing at atom weight i'm like if, if the ufc had an 85 pound class she'd probably be competing <laughs> in that she's tiny she's so tiny. <laughs> she's tiny so she has to like get up to 115 which is crazy yeah. and yeah angela hill is a she's a I, I think a pretty big 115 like she's fought up from that before uh, i think she uh, has obviously has a huge size advantage, both uh, just in 
you know, bulk, but also just length and, and height. And uh, I think it's, it's an uphill battle, especially the way that it's going to match up because Angela Hill just has that, uh, she has that aggressive, just always coming forward Muay Thai. And then Michelle Watterson is obviously, you know, very skilled in karate, but it's, it's a more, it's not as an aggressive karate necessarily. So it's just, it, the matchup is going to be intriguing from that standpoint. I think <clears throat> Watterson could have some success on the ground. I think she could uh, probably, that could be a route for her to, to be victorious, but she really hasn't stepped up to competition. She's been somebody that beat fighters she's supposed to beat and, you know, has had trouble in the big moments and fighters that are, you know, favored over her. This is basically a pick em, but I just, I, I like Angela Hill in this fight, especially the way that she's been fighting. I mean, she had three wins in a row before that uh, split decision loss to Claudia Cadella, which very easily could have been a victory. Uh, so she could have four wins in a row. She could have really been building up, uh, you know, some momentum there. She hasn't faced the best of competition during that run, but I, th- I think it's uh, it's, some- it's someone who has really kind of found her peak later in her career. I think Angela Hill's 35, uh, and Michelle Watterson, I believe, is 34. But it, it seems like it, it, they, they seem like they're separated by more than that uh, to me. <laughs> Michelle Watterson seems like she's been around forever. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's a it's it's a really intriguing matchup I think but uh, I like Angela Hill in this fight. Yeah, we have to remember when Angela Hill started in the UFC, she only had I think <clears throat> excuse me like two pro fights at the time before she started off in the Ultimate Fighter. So it's pretty crazy how long that she has actually been in the UFC since that point of coming in on the Ultimate Fighter in 2014, and how many more fights that she's picked up since then. She's one of those people that's always a gamer willing to go and I say gamer and that's actually literal and like (laughs) she likes to play a lot of Xbox and and PlayStation Um, she has all that twitch stuff as well and uh, but yeah seriously she's somebody that's come along and grown before our eyes with the UFC and yeah three and one in her last four fights with her only loss coming to Godella in a split decision so it's nothing to be ashamed of Uh, Godella's very top top level caliber fighter so um, yeah you UFC, UFC Apex, another Vegas card coming up here this Saturday. And Sam, I wanted to get caught up to on the boxing bubble. Yeah. What do we have here at, at the fights at, um, that are happening right now with Top Rank? Yeah, so obviously, um, <clears throat> yeah, uh, a huge, huge October for Top Rank. As we know, Lomachenko Lopez, that's going to be October 17th. That's not necessarily new. Um, we've known about that fight for a while. We've talked about it here on the RJ Ringside podcast, but it is official. It is on a Saturday night, and um, yeah, hopefully some they, top rankers told me they, they're hoping to allow some media. So it'd be fun to, to be ringside again. The, the podcast is called RJ Ringside. And yeah, I better been get ringside. ringside for, <laughs> for quite some time. So, so that is uh, obviously a huge matchup. And then also um, a couple other title fights that, that they announced in October. You have um, Emmanuel Navarrete and Ruben Villa for the vacant WBO featherweight world title. Uh, and then on Friday, October 23rd, you have Arthur Betterbiev versus Adam Deans. I believe that's how you say his last name. Um, Betterbiev is a unified light heavyweight champion, one of the top pound-for-pound fighters. Just doesn't have necessarily the brand or the rep. So he's back at 175. He's undefeated 15-0, and putting that record on the line. And then on Halloween, you have Nioa Inoue and Jason Maloney for, the, for Inoue's unified IBF and WA Bantamweight titles. He's considered to be one of the top pound-for-pound fighters in the world right now. He's from Japan, in a way. Uh, hasn't fought here in Vegas yet, so this is a, a big deal for him. He was supposed to fight here in April. That fight obviously postponed because of the coronavirus pandemic, but um, Top Rank believes he has the, the makings of, of being a big-time superstar, and that's why they you know, signed him to the contract, and that's why they're um, you know, making a big deal out of promoting him. So it's, it's big that 
he's fighting in October and um, you know getting a little bit more exposure because he's certainly talented, uh, very explosive, and just hasn't had the um, the exposure over here in the states. So big month for top rank in the bubble. And uh, the, you know Bob Arum told me the other day. Um, I mean he was I mean he was pretty upfront about it that you know some of the fights and over the course of the summer you know as as they were okay, but they weren't yeah. premier fights. They weren't marquee. No, they yeah. were not. And and um, ESPN wanted marquee premier fights, and that's what Top Rank is focused on putting forth. Uh, putting forth. And um, not nothing official yet, but we might see Terrence Crawford's return of the ring in November. Aram told me they're finalizing a, a fight between him and Kell Brook. So a lot of the big stars, pound for pound, um, Sans Canelo, of course, but a lot of the other big stars are going to be fighting uh, this fall. It feels like boxing is back in full effect, and that's what we need um, now that we've kind of got a handle on how to manage this pandemic and, and the bubble and all that. So that's, that's big for Vegas and big for boxing. Awesome. Great stuff, Sam. Well, that'll do it for us here today on the RJ Ringside Podcast. We'll come back next week, talk a little about the Charlos fighting with Showtime pay-per-view September 26th. We'll talk a little bit about the UFC pay-per-view card coming up with Israel Adesanya and Paulo Costa. So you'll want to keep up with us and everything that we're doing on ReviewJournal.com and head over to the podcast tab where you can find this show and hit subscribe wherever you're listening. And make sure you, if you want, write us a little review. Let us know what you think about the show. We love hearing from you guys. Follow everybody on Twitter again that's at by Sam Gordon at Heidi Fang and at Adam Hill LVRJ but that'll do it for us today everybody thank you so much for listening they say a healthy gut means a healthy you favor apple cider vinegar shots bottle this feeling into the convenience of a two ounce shot better digestion, stronger immune system, and the lowering of blood sugar levels are just some of the benefits to shooting a daily favor shot. Their proprietary blends are raw and organic and mixed with other functional ingredients to create a better tasting experience. First-time shooters can go to drinkafavor.com.